Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. If you're joining us online, hey, thanks for joining us. It's not the same. Worship, music, singing is not the same online as it is in this room. It just it is just really super exciting to see people worship God and feel the encouragement and the power of the Spirit in, in the word that's in the music. Thank you, Dan and team. But you can't experience that online. And so I just want to encourage you that, that next week we're starting a new series. We're going to hear about that a little bit later. But there's power in influence, and you have influence in every room you're in. Now today, when I say influence or influencer, maybe you think of this definition, which is common in social media. It says an influencer is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience. And you might be on Facebook, you might be on TikTok, you may be on Instagram, you may have a lot of flowers, a lot of followers, and you may not. But a lot of people spend a lot of time to influence you. There's mega influencers, there's small influencers. But the big idea in this sermon series is that you have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love might change someone's life. And we probably, all of us, could tell you a story of someone who positively influenced you for Christ. Maybe some of you are sitting in chairs today or online because someone encouraged you in Christ and it made all the difference in the world, but also in, in eternity. And today we're going to look at a passage of scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, or yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to look at four actions of influence. And the first action of influence is to invest. And by invest, I'm not talking about financially, but personally, relationally. And here's what Paul says to Timothy, how to invest. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul's encouraging Timothy. He's saying, as a good soldier, endure. As a farmer, be patient. As, as you work for the Lord, do what you need to do. And this is Paul speaking to Timothy. He's passing the baton of faith to the next generation of faith. Folks, that's what we are to do as Christians. Whether it's our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, 
we need to make a difference in our lives of influence. And the important thing for us as a body of Christ is that Christian leadership is important to pass it on to the faithful. We've got some great elders, but they're, they're kind of uh, got this chronological advantage to maybe some of the rest of us. And so we need some people to step into their shoes, especially at a time like this when we have some great leadership to mentor other leadership. We have some great deacons, but we need a few more to step up. We have some great ladies in leadership and all facets of ministry, but they need that next generation to step up, to, to, to mentor, to be ready to, to influence that next generation. And you've got to understand that Jesus had or invested in 12 apostles and it made all the difference in the world. The apostle Paul invested in several. If you remember in scripture, Silas and Timothy and Titus. And I put a question mark by John Mark because remember in Acts where they had this contention between Paul and Barnabas over John Mark. Apparently, John Mark wasn't meeting the expectations or the mark in his life. And Paul said, hey, send the boy home. But Barnabas, being the encourager he was, said, no, let me take him along. And then Paul took Silas along with him. If it weren't for them, we would have no knowledge of Christianity. Because Christianity is always one generation from extinction. How many people are you influencing for Christ and, and, and passing the baton to? How many do you have? Now, we're to invest our lives relationally to make a difference. Because we do make a difference. You make a difference. And Paul goes on to say to Timothy, remember, remember. And why should he remember? And maybe you have problems as well in remembering. Anybody have any problems? I had a young man that we met, uh, our, our Dan and John and uh, Kevin Stance. We were out to lunch. We go out to lunch on Tuesdays. And we went to Junior's. I don't know if it's Food Shack or Junior's Shack here in town. It's a new restaurant. And, and the young man was a super, just a great young man. And Dan always is listening to music. And so they picked up on the music and we we're talking old Christian rock and roll. And that, that's my era of, uh, Christian music. And so we were talking to this young guy and he knew, knew it all. Well, he came to service this morning and I still couldn't remember his name. His name's Ezekiel. Well, how can I not remember that? How many Ezekiels do you know? And he goes by Zeke, which is kind of cool. But anyway, he was in first service today. Now, there were, there were three, uh, never married elderly ladies, 92, 94, and 96. And they all lived in the same house, old house. 96 year old was in the bathtub and she yelled to her sisters, hey, I need some help. I can't remember whether I'm getting in or out of the tub. 94-year-old uh, sister was going up the stairs. She said, I'll be right there. And then she paused and then she yelled out, hey, I can't remember whether I was going up or down the stairs. Well, the 92-year-old, the youngest, the younger sister was sitting at the kitchen table drinking tea. 
And she said, I hope I never get as forgetful as you all. He said, I'll be right up, knock on wood. And then she said, hey, I'll be right up after I get the door. I don't know how old you are. You're kind of slow on that. The Apostle Paul says this to Timothy. Notice what he says to remember. And this is something that Timothy should know and you all ought to know. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy for, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Here Paul is saying, don't forget the mission, the purpose that we have, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even though I'm bound in a dungeon writing you and encouraging you in Ephesus and all the saints that were there, as well as us 2,000 years later, he's saying, Be encouraged. The gospel is still the same. The word of God is not bound in chains. It is free for all and free to you. He's saying to Timothy, remember, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And then he goes on to say in verses 8 through 14, he says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words. Do you ever get to quarreling about words? Parents of children, do you ever quarrel about words? Spouses, do you ever quarrel about words? Coworkers, do you ever quarrel about words? And what does Paul say to Timothy? He says, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. You see, it's not about gathering more friends and followers. It's about discipling and growing in Christ. It's about discipling and growing in Christ. And and sometimes, I'm sure, if you're like me, you get down on yourself because you, you you do some things that you don't and don't don't want to do, and you shouldn't do, or you say some things that you don't want to say, but you say them anyway, and you think, when am I ever going to grow up? When am I ever going to be mature? And we've just got to give ourselves grace to repent and to step back and say, you know, God is doing a work in me. I just have to cooperate. The fruit of the Spirit doesn't grow overnight, but we want it to. I don't, I don't know if you're like me when I was a child. We had an apple tree, and we had a couple apple trees. And I, don't, I doubt if there's any fruit on any tree yet. But I'd always climb the apple tree and get the little green apples and eat them. It wasn't good for me. In fact, I made myself sick about every time I ate them. But I was impatient like that. But fruit takes time. And God is bearing fruit in you. Give yourself time. 
Paul tells Timothy, hey, invest in relationships. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel that he's shared. Then he says, work. Work. And he says in this, in, in verse uh, 15 through 19, he goes on, he says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. How would you like to be remembered by Paul as a negative influencer 2,000 years later? Paul is calling some people out. Well, that's not very popular. If you're a negative influencer, if you're a criticizer, if you're a grumbler, that's how you're going to be remembered. Verse 18, it says, Who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. Now, notice, this is, a, this is a quote from the Old Testament. It's from Numbers. It was about Korah's rebellion. And here's what he's saying about him, Hymenaeus and Philetus and grumblers and complainers, which was Korah's rebellion. They were complaining about Moses. Who is Moses that he should lead the Israelites? That he is so much better than all of us. If you remember the story, Moses said, hey, everybody get away from Korah and his buddies. There were three families. Their tents were all together. And he said, if I am not a prophet of God, this is what Moses said, if I'm not a prophet of God, let the earth swallow them up and never to be seen again. And what occurs? The earth swallows them up and they were never seen again. This is, this is what, what he's referring to in this passage. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Don't, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Have you ever grumbled? Everybody, have you ever grumbled? Okay. You don't have to raise your hands. I know you all have. Aren't you glad God doesn't do that any, anymore? We'd all be down wherever Korah and his buddies went. But they were challenging God's called one and Moses was according to his own writing the humblest man that ever lived now I could write that by, by, about myself and you could too but would anybody believe it even Moses had those that challenged him but God showed by example and witness whose were his so we see in this passage of Scripture that we are to impart truth by example. I have the opportunity nearly every day to take my grandchildren to school, two of them. I wish I could take them all, but they're down in North Carolina, and I miss them. But I get to take two of them to school every day, and I, I have the opportunity. They give me a kiss on the cheek, and I tell each one of them I love them like crazy. And then when they get out of the car, as they're getting out of the car, I said, remember, and we have, two co we have two words, you be a good example and you be a good leader because example makes a difference. Your example is your influence. And then Paul in this passage also says this, 
correctly teach God's word. Now, Timothy was his mentee. He was his disciple. And and Timothy was a good student of the Lord and his word. He was raised by a Jewish mom. He converted to Christ. His example was known. His character was known by Paul in Lystra and Derby. That's why Paul wanted to take him along. And, and he knew God's word. But he's reminding him. And then he goes on to say this. He says, avoid godless chatter, controversies, and quarrels. Dale Carnegie said it like this. Don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Do you get lost in, in being quarrelsome? That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy might have been a little bit argumentative. Maybe you are a little argumentative. I know that I am. And I like to have the last word. Maybe you like that too. And that doesn't, all that does is add fuel to the fire. It's taken me a long time just to back away and say it's just not worth it. Either my integrity stands, my example stands, my teaching stands, or it doesn't. But that takes a lot of faith and comfort in the Lord than it does having to defend yourself. And realize this, that all we can do is our best. And our best, by the grace of God, by the power of His Spirit, is the best that we can do. And we've got to let ourselves off the hook. If you're beating yourself up, if you're guilty all the time, that's not how the Lord wants you to live. You are a child of His. He loves you like crazy. He doesn't want you to live in guilt. He doesn't want you to live in anxiety. He doesn't want you to live in fear because He loves you. That relationship is solid, just like it is with your own child. You are in the hug. You are loved. And His grace is sufficient for every one of us. Now, the Apostle Paul goes on in this passage, and he says, Now, in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now, Paul's not saying that you have to be perfect, that you have to earn your way to be an honor, honorable vessel. Maybe you have some good china at home. My grandma, when we got married, Stacy and I got married a while back, gave us some china. Now, we pull that out for special occasions. We have to be careful when we wash it because of the memories attached to that china and who gave it to us. But but we didn't have to earn the relationship. We received it by grace. And because of that relationship, it is meaningful. You see, when you come to Christ, when you repent, when you confess Him as Lord and Savior, when you're baptized into Him, everything's washed away. When we come before the Lord at communion, when you go to the Lord in prayer and ask for forgiveness, everything's washed away by His grace, by His blood, you were saved. So you can become an honorable dish. You can be an honorable vessel for God by grace, through faith, through forgiveness. My question is, what kind of dish are you? Honorable? 
or dishonorable. It's just keeping track of the account with God and saying, God, I failed. I made mistakes. I've sinned. I am guilty. Please forgive me. And then that's washed away. Paul's talking to Timothy. He's encouraging him with the how of to be an influencer. First of all, invest in relationships. Remember who's all it's about. To work hard in, in, in living for Christ Jesus. And finally, last of all, pursue. Pursue. So in verse 22, this is what Paul says to Timothy. And, and Timothy's a church leader and he's saying this. He says, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. He's saying it again. You know that they breed quarrels. Don't be quarrelsome, Timothy. And the Lord served. And this is a passage of Scripture that just means a lot to me as a church leader. In verse 24 and 25, it says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but what? But kind to everyone. That is so hard. But kind to everyone. Able to teach. Patiently enduring evil. That's so hard. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. That's so hard. But God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. That's what we want, isn't it? And that they may come to their senses. You mean Paul is telling Timothy that there's some crazy people in Ephesus that he's dealing with, that they have to come to their senses, and they might be in the church? Absolutely, he is. And escape from the snare of the devil, having after being captured by him to do his will. Now, that's a little scary, isn't it? To think that I've got some church family that might be captured by the devil and they may be destructive in nature, but we are persistently enduring evil in gentleness and in kindness that they might come to their senses. And Paul is saying, pursue righteousness. Pursue all these great things. Now, I love, I love this quote. This is by St. Augustine. And why I love this quote is because St. Augustine was a, a Christian, sort of like Timothy. He was raised well. He, he rejected his faith. In fact, he became a Manichaean, which was kind of like some Eastern crazy religion for a while. And he lived like a heathen. He was a playboy in the third and fourth century without, believe it or not, without social media. He did this. But, but somehow he came to his senses and repented. And so Augustine is saying this from experience. Here's what he says. He says, sin arises. And I, I know this is hard to read. Sin arises. <coughs> When things that are a minor good are pursued as though they were goals in life. If money or affection or power are sought in disproportionate, obsessive ways, then sin occurs. Augustine knew all about that. And that sin is magnified when, for these lesser goals, we fail to pursue the highest good and the finest goals. What he's saying is... You've changed your emphasis. You stop pursuing the great goals of life 
the majors and you're dwelling in the minors. So then we ask ourselves, why? In a given situation, we committed a sin. Do you ever ask yourself, why did I do that? That was stupid. Why did I do that? That was sin. That was wrong. What a poor example I've been. You ever do that? This is what he's saying. The answer is usually one of two things. Either we wanted to obtain something that we didn't have, we were lusting for something that we didn't have, or we feared losing something that we had. That's why we sin. So the Apostle Paul is reminding Timothy to pursue things that matter, the important, the majors. And why? Because character matters. Character matters. Who you are in Christ, what you do, how you live matters. Because when character matters and your character matches what you say that you believe, then integrity matters. You have integrity. And so when you're accused, you don't always have to respond defensively because you know who you are, you know whose you are. And because character and integrity are in place, then moral authority occurs, and it matters. Because what you do and what you say align, then there is moral authority when you speak by how you live. And that's what Paul was telling Timothy. That this matters because you are a teacher of God's word. You're a representative of Jesus Christ. And every one of you, if you're a believer, are a representative. And what you do and what you say matters. And it has influence. That's the power of influence. And so wrapping all of this up today, all those actions, I want to break it down to one simple thing. Actually, one small thing. Act. I would challenge you to, to do one small act. Whatever the God is calling you to do. Not something big and large and fabulous, but something little and small that you know would be your next step. Because small acts have large impact. Because people are watching and they're looking for people that are different. Because we're called a peculiar people, a chosen people, a royal priesthood. They're looking and they notice when you don't react the same way other people do. Because you have influence. Small acts have great potential. If you start small, if you don't go crazy and try to do it all, but you just do one little thing and you build on that, it has great potential. It's a start. Small acts can go exponential. They can multiply. And they can really, really make a difference. That's what happened in Christianity 2,000 years ago. And it still impacts every one of us today. And finally, small acts are consequential they're influential, and they're powerful. By just taking one small step, making one small act, whatever God is calling you to do. For some of you, it's uh, coming forward and saying, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I confess Him as Lord and Savior. 
I want to repent. I want to be baptized in Him. For some of you, there's a besetting sin, something inside of you that's holding you up, and you just want to turn it over to the Lord, and you want some people to pray for you. For others of you, it's a coworker or a neighbor or a relative that, that you just need to be less critical and less grumbling and more kind and more gentle with. Whatever God calls you to do, I pray that you'll make that decision today with one small act. Will you please stand as I pray this morning? Eternal God and Father, once again we come to you. And Father, you give us influence and you help us to live a godly, godly life, to live a life of example. And, and we can't do it on our own, Lord. We do it by your strength and by your power, trusting in you. And we know, Father, the others around us are watching us. They're looking to see the difference. And Father, we can't manufacture that on our own. It's only by the power and the grace that you get. And Father, I just pray that you would empower these, your people. And Father, that they would speak and be a good leader and a good example for you wherever they are. That they would recognize the influence they have. And Father, I, I just know that there's some godly leaders, that next generation that you're raising up, that right are in our presence right now or watching online. And Father, they need to step up. And uh, Father, we need to encourage them and love them and be the examples that they need because someday we're going to be gone. We're going to be with you. But your church is still going to be vital and strong and a powerful influence, salt and light. And Father, we need them to do that. Father, just now, I just pray that you would cause us to do one small act to start something afresh and new in us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.